Welcome along, episode number 10 of Series 2. For ref's sake, you have joined the number one refereeing podcast in the UK and other countries. We are heard in countries all over the world. And I'm joined once again by my good friend and colleague, Luke Scott. How are you, Luke? Very well, mate. How are you? Yeah, well, good. Excited to be doing an episode during an international break where we can have a bit more of a local flavour. But yes, we've got plenty to talk about following on from last week's episode with Stuart Burt, who was uh, very insightful with his uh, advice on training. So much so that it inspired somebody to message me and say, yep, great episode, like listening to it, but hasn't really inspired me to get the trainers back on. So hello and welcome along, Dave Avent. Um, thank you for that interesting input. That's what we like. <laughs> and that's why we're here, Luke, isn't it? To spread the joy, spread the word of refereeing across the world. So yes, we are back with episode number 10. Thank you to all those people who are listening. You know, the figures are fairly consistent. When we started this, we, we had no delusions of grandeur. We didn't know if anybody would listen to it, but we seem to be, to be quite popular. So much so that yesterday I was at a game and I got, um, I got mentioned on uh, Instagram for being a For Ref's Sake host at a game. Did you? Yeah. It's like I'm... Big time. I'm a local celebrity, mate. I'm going to be doing autographs That's... and everything. I'm going to start... When I go to games, I'm going to get a merch stand. As soon as you <laughs> get those hoodies and, and those beanies sorted out and uh, a For Ref's Sake bandana, the better. We can, you know, we can yeah. do signed ones and everything. People will love that. John Wright will be yeah. all over that. I can just see him in his little I'm... For Ref's Sake hoodie. I'm not sure John Wright would, would be our first customer. <laughs> Come on. What about car stickers? Car stickers would be good. Yeah, honk if you hate refs. Yeah, you John, Wright, John Wright might buy that. <laughs> you, don't see, um, you don't see enough car stickers these days, do you? No. Remember back in the day when you used to put those things in the back of your car? Like you could, I don't know, you might be too young for this, but you could squeeze it and it pulled it like a Mooney and stuff. What? Uh, you're obviously too young, or perhaps you weren't driving at those points. Um, of your life but anyway yeah welcome along everybody we started off on a bit of a weird tangent there admittedly but uh it'll get better I promise so if you're the first time listening we're not normally this weird we're normally really insightful when we talk um sense about refereeing i think yeah we try we try so yeah welcome along it's an international break in the premier league so we've not had to watch match of the day not had to watch Middlesbrough suffer um the cobblers even they got a a weekend off, not because again that they've got any international players. I don't think. Um, although I think isn't Kieran Bowie play for Scotland under twenty ones or something? But I don't think that was the reason the game was postponed. I believe they were playing Portsmouth, and Correct. that was the one that got called off. So it would have been a, a quiet weekend for some people in the refereeing world. They would have got some time off. Although I know Bertie was over in Denmark, and he did say that he was going to listen to the podcast over there. So just so we can put another pin in the map of the world. And say so we've got a, a listener in Denmark as well, amongst other countries. Well, hopefully, yeah, hopefully he's done that because um, I know you like to keep that map up to date. I do, just like you like to keep the um, <laughs> the scoreboard for minute to win it up, up to date as well. So don't come. No, at, I've, I've stopped with that. Don't come at me, right? I mean, <laughs> it, it, seriously, if there's anybody out there who does listen, who's good on Instagram and Snapchat or you know Facebook and X, Twitter and TikTok. Please get in touch with us because it's fairly evident that Luke and I are both fairly useless at keeping things up to date. And we want to push it out there. We want to push this podcast out there. 
when we first started this podcast, it was, it was my idea. We just had a little chat, didn't we? I said, let's do a refereeing podcast for the county. Uh, and here we are, 40-odd episodes later, still going strong. Giving up our time on a Sunday or a Monday night whenever we get a chance to record it. And, uh, you know, pushing it out to the masses. And we've got a, a loyal fan base, I think. I saw Andy Humphreys um, on Instagram yesterday on his way to... Yeah. Where was he going? South East London, was it? I think that's what you said. Uh, I'll be honest, I don't know where he was going. Uh. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah. So, thanks if you if you run your travels now, Andrew. Um, thanks for listening. It means every everything to us. Yeah, but it was a bit weird when you whispered it. <laughs> He's like one of the top dogs now. So let's start off because I said we're going to start off with talking about local local referees. So we've got a mass number this year of people who are going for promotion um so if you're a non-referee listener which we do get um i was actually talking to somebody at wellingborough whitworth yesterday about the promotion scheme and they were surprised that uh, there's not more people who are going out and watching referees and, and things and another one of the comments that came across was that um i was talking about the state of youth football which we're going to talk about more next week and how referees in those games many of them are, are children themselves you know you get you get some adults as well but he this person said um why don't they have a mentor at every game um when a referee's under 16 now obviously we know that we, that's not possible because there just isn't enough people and if there was enough people they'd probably be refereeing themselves so great idea but in practice, it's not going to work, is it? Because we haven't got you haven't got the workforce to be able to do that. But um, yeah, so we were talking about the promotion scheme. Got lots of people on the promotion scheme this year. But um, where do you think the problem is in terms of retention at the moment? What's 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 causing us to have to do referee course after referee course after referee course and still not have um, you know a number required to cover all of the games? I, I think it's. I think it's the demographic of the people that we're recruiting and that, you know, that's, that's not any detriment towards those people, but you know, we're, we're, we're recruiting, you know, 80, 90% of the people that are coming on our courses are, are under the age of 18. Um, and with that comes a high proportion of those people do it for a couple of years and then stop for a number of reasons. You know, it could be, the level of abuse they're receiving, which I know we talk about a lot, but you know it is an issue. But also because they're so young, they've got they've got GCSEs, they've got A levels, then they move on to university, then you know they get other Saturday, Sunday jobs, weekend jobs. Um, so you know with that with that number of that age group comes with a, a high turnover rate, and um, that that's I think the large majority of the problem that we have with retention at the minute is. The people that we're recruiting if if we could successfully recruit older people over 18s ex-players for example um arguably in in some people's opinions it would improve the standard of referees that we have particularly um those that are in the adult game you know that i think there's a there's a, a strong argument that those that have played at a level in the adult game will um understand the game a little bit more um so there's there's always that argument but you know i think those people they're they're doing it they're doing it for entirely different reasons um so if we can find a way of recruiting more of that demographic and again with no disrespect to the 14 to 18 year old referees that we do have less of that 
uh, that demographic, then it would probably mean we have a more stable base of of referees in terms of year-on-year retention. Yeah, and, and going back to what I said at the beginning about promotion, so the, the promotion system's changed again. So if you want to get from a seven to six or from a six to five, um, I don't think it's unfair to say that it's almost nailed on now that you're going to get promoted. And for the FA, that's probably what they need and what they want because otherwise those gaps are not going to be filled. So one of the things going through the system now, one of the godsends of sports we've got is that we've got a lot of Northamptonshire teams playing in the Spartan South Midlands, Division 1 and Division yeah. 2, where you're getting, you're getting neutral assistance. And obviously you've got the Northampton Senior Youth League as well, which, again, that's a, a good... Um, grounding for for people who who need to be working with neutral assistance because that jump from level five to level four, even now, is still quite big. The expectation, um, you know, you you work with level fours as your as your assistants as well. So it's good that they're getting that experience. But we're also seeing people coming down from other levels, you know, from your level three, even level one. Andy Wilmer is a case in point here. Um, you know, the ex level three. So just you know, off the top of my head, Mark Wardell, Kev Seconton, um, they're all doing the Spartan League as well. Um, and then you've got that mix of your uh, your level fives who are coming up as well. So that's a good grounding for them um, in terms of it's like um, you know a good grounding to go to the next level. Do you think? Do you think? Um, do you think that we've got the balance right of what they need to do to get promoted? Or, or is it have we got no choice because of numbers, do you think? Well, I think the the, the point around the seven to six, six to five promotion, um, and you know, it's it's been widely advertised that you can't fail, you know, that you can't fail that now. Um you, as long as you meet the criteria in terms of number of games and in terms of number of coaching visits I think their official terminology is now then you will get promoted at the end of the season and um you know there's been a lot of criticism of that but also if, if you if you look at it from a from a referee's perspective a lot of people ye- years before you know since I've been an RDO so you know you're talking nine years um people have said well what's the point of a seven to six promotion what's the point of a six to five promotion we should just start at level five um because of the the fact that actually, if you go if you go seven to six, the games that you referee don't really change that much. All right, if you go six to five, then there's a bit of a step up because of the reasons that you've talked about. If you get in Spartan Div One middles and and things like that, but you know there, there was always an argument. What's the point of seven to six? It doesn't add any value. Um, and I suppose that was the effort. What the FA have done is pretty much agree with that. But what what the seven to six promotion does offer is a referee the opportunity to be watched and have some feedback on their performances, um, which why would why would we not want that to happen? So that's kind of the mindset they've gone with for those two promotions is actually, yeah, everyone's been saying for years that what's the point of them? What we don't want to do is get rid of them because we think it's a valuable learning opportunity for referees. But what, what it's not going to do is it's not going to be a pass or fail. It's just going to be apply for it, get your feedback, t- learn from the feedback and then move on. Obviously, it changes when you get to five to four gets a bit more um official you, you know you've got the because uh, it's a it's a different form it's different training that the, the observers have to go through to get to that um that level to be able to observe and obviously the criteria is a little bit different and then it's the fa that make the decision at the end of the day as to whether they want somebody to be refereeing on the ucl prem um and and similar leagues around the country so personally i think i think the the way the seven to six six to five 
promotions work and in this new concept of no pass or fail i think it's positive i think it encourages people to go for it um and i think it encourages people to get feedback on their performances which can only be a good thing and as we've said those promotions don't really impact on the type of games you get in other than those spartan div ones uh, in the middle where you'd like to think the appointments officer is um has has his own sort of uh, classification as to who should be doing those games um so yeah and then the, the way the five to four thing works i haven't got any complaints about that you know i think that's 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 worked in a in a very similar process for a number of years now um the fa have a numbers game to play and you know you could argue that as long if you're hitting the criteria you'll get promoted and i i think the stats probably back that up over the last number of years but uh, you know, th- th- like you say, we need we need referees at level four. I mean, one one of the um, stories that are going around at the moment from from a number of level fours is that they're not getting enough enough middles um, because of the, I guess, the high level of people at that level. Anyway, um, if that makes sense. <laughs> um, but I, I was talking to a level four yesterday who didn't have a game, and I think the difficulty with that. And I'll come back to the, the county levels in a minute. Is you if you have one poor game, then that's your season done for. You know, there's, there's no real second chance. I don't know what it's like at level three at the moment, but um, one one slight critique I might have of the seven to six and the six to five system is that you're only getting two observations really, or two coaching sessions as they're called now. Um, it would be lovely to be able to spread them apart a bit more because at the moment what we seem to be doing and you know I'm involved in the appointment so you know I can blame myself for it in some <laughs> respects but they're getting quite they're getting quite close together just so that you can get them out of the way just in case of bad weather because you know in the past we've had referees not promoting because of bad weather because they haven't got their games and stuff like that um, so it'd be lovely if they could have three or four coaching sessions but I don't know if that's possible due to financial implications or, or what um, I think that's that's one of the difficulties. If you if you're a level seven and you've you've been coached in one session and then you have another one two weeks later, is that enough time to you know react to any feedback that you've got? Would it be better if we had you know four or five sessions across across yeah. the season? Of course it would. Um, uh, but, you know, it, when the FA set the criteria, they're thinking nationally. And obviously every every county is has its own challenges in terms of numbers, in terms of what they can offer. And there'll be some counties that could easily offer four or five um, coaching visits in terms of workforce that they have available to them. And there'll be some counties that struggle to to meet the, the requirement to offer two. Um, so, you know, when the FA set that criteria, they have to think nationally and, and you know, we have to understand that. Now, whether whether we could do more locally um, in between those two official visits or, and, and, you know, offer offer additional ones that all right, aren't falling under the FA promotion criteria, but actually it's something that Ollie looks at and, and us as a county adopt and say, well, actually, yeah, we want two official ones, but then we want to try and aim to get two unofficial coaching visits as well. Um, yeah, I, I, like you say, I don't, it's, it's obviously nobody's going to say no to more coaching visits. I think it's just more of a, a question around resource, not necessarily financial. Um, you know, if, if we had the workforce to commit to that, we wouldn't hesitate to put the resource and the financial resource to it. Well, 
it's interesting you say that because I think this season, um, since Ollie's implemented his his initial meeting, I think the workforce thing isn't an issue. So it might be something that we can offer, you know, moving forward. Um, you know, particularly for those ones. And I know Aaron's going to talk. Aaron Lloyd's going to come on and talk about FA Core or NFA Core, I should say, at a local level. Uh, be interesting to to gauge his thoughts about uh, about that. So. Um, Let's talk about your game at the weekend. So, um, you sent me a clip early on when we, and I always say this and I always forget, but I will put the clip on social media. Um, but it was a really, really uh, interesting and a well done to old Steve O. I mean, he doesn't normally pay attention to anything. He certainly didn't pay attention no. when he was doing the quiz. Um, no. But what a spot. So, let's talk through the scenarios and we'll put the video on anyway. But, um, it was interesting to see, to see as well, because it's easy to switch off in the last minute. Although it was, I think the score was two one at the time, wasn't it? So there was yeah. still obviously somewhat on it on there. But if you know, if it's three or four nil, you might have um, thought you might have switched off or whatever. But talk us through what what was happening. Um, so striker strikers kind of nine nine number nine. I don't know number number tens through. Um, it's a one on one situation going down on goal, um, and keepers coming out and and we're sort of right on the edge of the penalty area probably just inside if my memory serves me correct so you know I'm I'm focused on a potential penalty non-penalty decision based on how the keeper goes into that challenge keeper goes into the into the challenge wins the ball cleanly absolutely no issue with that um and then the ball sort of breaks over to the right hand side of the field of play um in front of well towards Stevo's direction um, so as I've kind of turned to follow the ball, because obviously that's uh, that's where we look as as referees, um, the the goalkeeper and the 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 striker that have just had this this challenge together, I can just hear like some shouts from over my shoulder. I look over my shoulder and the keeper's on the floor. Um, to be honest, I didn't I didn't really know why. Uh, I didn't know why the keeper was on the floor, but the keeper was on the floor. So my instinct was, well, I think I need to stop playing, give a defensive free kick. So that, I mean, that first part was complete guesswork, um, but I needed to stop play anyway because we had a keeper on the floor and what I didn't want is the ball in the back of the net. So it was clear to me that something had happened because there was loads of shouting, loads of people accusing everyone of everything. Um, so at that point, blew the whistle, um, went over to check if the keeper needed treatment, keeper wanted treatment. So, um, called the physio on um, and then just took a slow walk over to Steve-O um, and the conversation was quite straightforward. Uh, I got to Steve-O and I said, Steve-O, I've got nothing. Uh, <laughs> I've got absolutely nothing. Um, I was like, what have you seen? Because obviously he's looking across the line. Um, so I was really hoping at that point that he was going to, he was going to give me something. Um, and he started, he started his response with, I don't know who it was. Um, which is never great, but <laughs> I said to him, "Don't worry. I think I, I think I've got that." And I, the only reason I had that piece of information is because, in all of the commotion when people were accusing everyone of everything, this one player came over to me and he said, "Yeah, but he did it. He did elbow me first. So I just kind of clocked that and I thought, right, well, you're obviously my man. Uh, so I'll, I'll just remember that. So when Steve-O said, "I don't know who it was," I said, "Well, I do. It was definitely the number 10." Um, so just tell me what you've seen. He said, well, I've, I've definitely seen an, an arm raised um, in the direction of the goalkeeper. It was it was definitely an attacking player. Um, 
I said, right, so it sounds like you're telling me violent conduct, red card. Your only question is you didn't know who it was. I'm telling you it's number 10. Are you happy if I now go over and send off a number 10 for violent conduct? Um, and Steve-O said, yeah, I'm happy with that. As long as you're happy, it's a number 10. I was like, yeah, well, a little bit of guesswork. Never did anyone any harm. Went over to number 10, <laughs> showed him a red card and off he went. And play reaction from that? Anything? Uh, no, nothing. I mean, he, he, yeah, he was happy to leave the field of play. Um, he asked me why he, he asked me why I'd been sent off, um, and I said, "Look, I've not seen it, so I'm going on what I'm going on what he's told me." Because that was clear to see. So it's not that wasn't me throwing Steve under the bus, because I made it quite clear to the players before I got over to Steve that I hadn't seen anything, and nobody was expecting me to see it because it did happen behind my back. So. It, you know, the non the non referees amongst us might think that that comment was throwing Steve under the bus, but I'd, I'd literally just had a two and a half minute conversation with him, so it was quite clear that it wasn't um, necessarily my decision. So I just said to him, "Look, I've not seen it. He's really confident in what he's seen. Uh, I trust him, so it's a red card." I was like, "If you want to appeal it, you can appeal it. Every, you know, your club's filming it. You can send the footage in, and and that's fine. But we've got to make a decision on the day, and that's the decision we've made." And he he was fine. He walked off and off he went. Yeah, I think he was a little bit disappointed that, that the keeper didn't get any sort of punishment. Um, and I'll be honest, at, at the time, I was, again, I'm thinking, well, it's never just, it's very rarely just one side to, to this story. The keeper probably has done something to provoke this situation. It's just we haven't seen it as a team of officials. Um, and to be fair, you watch the footage back. It, what the keeper does is barely a yellow card it's definitely not a red card and the 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 reaction from the player is definitely a red card so um yeah going back to your opening opening comments great spot from steve i bailed me out of a difficult situation and and i think a lot of assistants would have been reluctant to give that information um and he and you know fair play to steve even even giving me the information even though he didn't know what player it was and that's a key point um so i'm going to name drop here I can't remember how many years ago. It wasn't that many years ago, actually, about four years ago or something like that. Um, I was I was on the line at, it might be a bit more than four years, actually, thinking about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I was on the line at Oxford City. I can't remember who they were playing. And um, Josh Smith was a referee. Oh, yeah. And um, goalkeeper come out, so the striker's going through. He's knocked the ball around the keeper. And it, this is the other side of the... Um, the I was going to say with D there, but the penalty arc, is that what it's called? Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The goalkeeper's come out um, and slid and just pushed the ball away from the striker with his hand outside the area. Um, now, you might think, well, should I get involved in that or not? I thought, ah, we're getting observed. I'm going to have a, I'm going to have a go at this. Um, yeah. Come in with the old big flag. Uh, video evidence again. Showed it was correct. Um I got demoted at the end of that season and he got promoted <laughs> and the rest is history. He's now refereeing in the Premier League and I'm sat in a podcast on Sunday night talking <laughs> to you. But, you know, it, it, it's, it's important what you said, the last comment that you made really, is that you've got sometimes, um, you've got to be brave and stand up and yeah. say, this is what I've seen. Um, and knowing that generally that decision is not going to be popular, um, but, you know, you, you've got to do it. And there's often criticism from clubs, particularly I hear, um, where referees just ask for 
ball in and out of play. Um, yeah. But that's just not the case. And I know you, you, your pre-match, I've heard it. Um, you bored me with that a few times. Um, but it's important, isn't it, that they're always switched on because of situations like that. Now, those situations money might only happen, you know, one in a hundred, two hundred games. But when it does happen, you need them to back you up. Yeah, I think I think I, it has it has changed a little bit my pre-match since since you heard it. Um, but you know, I think the big the big thing I talk about now is don't don't let me be the only person in this ground that hasn't seen something or has seen something. And you know, we talk about the process and and the how how you arrive at that decision. For me, in those extreme circumstances, where, whether it's me dropping the ball and just completely missing something or or vice versa. Um, what what I don't want is my assistant to be stood there going, well, that's definitely not right, or that definitely is right. If it's a matter of fact, and it's something that everybody in the ground's looking at, and going, well, how haven't the officials seen that? Um, I want them. I want them to be able to have that conversation with me. And if it looks messy, because I and it, nine times out of ten it will look messy because I've missed something or I've done something wrong. On this occasion, um, I have missed it. It's happened behind me looking at the footage back the only thing that i would do differently is go wider but that's such an old-fashioned term you know go wider push left um i was in a good position to make a judgment on the on the penalty decision uh and and i was credible but i was inside rather than outside if i'd been outside i would have picked up the whole thing myself um but that's just being self-critical um you know steve-o's steve fair play you know he's he's seen it and and he's listened to that pretty much he's gone well everybody's seen it and and it was it was clear everybody had seen it because of the reaction from every player um and you know it it was a home team player that I've sent off but it doesn't do you any favors if we look at that situation and go oh, do you know what it's the 91st minute 92nd minute whatever it was um let's just let's just yellow them both um what what you what use does that do anyone because we we have then we'd be really disappointed when we see that footage and we've missed a red card for violent conduct um so yeah, it's it for me. It's about getting the right outcome. If the process looks messy, and I don't think the process looked particularly messy, we we took our time. I made sure that I had a decent chat with Steve-O and that he was on board with the decision I was making because ultimately, as I've as I've said, it had his name to it. Um, and yeah, but that that process I was relaxed with. It took it took as long as it needed to take, and we just added it on. Um, so yeah, I, I think from a teamwork perspective, it's it's good to highlight that. Um, it wasn't. He wasn't overly busy. He wasn't buzzing me the whole time, um, as as some assistants might do. But I knew I had to, I had to go and speak to him. And then when I did go and speak to him, we had an honest chat about what the information he he had and the information that he didn't have. Um, and then that's where that jigsaw puzzle comes in. I had I had some of the information, more by luck than judgment. He had he had the important stuff, and and we we got it right. Going back to the game I watched yesterday. Um... There was an interesting incident in the 90th minute. So the score was 1-1 one, one, one at the time. Um, and uh, a striker went through, um, went past the defender. And from my angle, and that was the other side of the pitch, um, it was a clear foul and should have been a penalty. I think 99% of people in the ground also agreed it was a penalty. And even the defender, I spoke to him afterwards, he also agreed it was a penalty. <laughs> so, you know, I was pretty confident I'd got that one right, but um, from an outsider's perspective. Anyway, so I was talking to one of the players after the game um, from the team who 
would have had the penalty. And they had no idea, and this is a player who's played for a while, they had no idea that the bench side assistant, who was the opposite end of where it was, couldn't get involved in that. Even though you know they felt it was a penalty, they couldn't understand why they wouldn't flag it. Do you know, do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And it kind of blew their mind when I said, well, it's not really credible for them to give it because the referee's so much closer and um, saying it's not a penalty. Now, it's, again, this is a 5-4 to four promotion candidate. And apart from that, had a, you know, a decent game, good game. Um, but there was so much kind of hesitation in the decision. Um, all credibility had gone out the window by this point. It's just like, well, he doesn't know what what's happening here because, in the end, he ended up cautioning the the attacker for simulation. It's like, oh, yeah, this is not good. Um, so I mean, in, in that situation, not a bit different to yours, I suppose, is that if you've seen it, um, and you're hundred percent confident, it got it's a bit of a gut feeling, isn't it? You've got to go in and give it straight away. Once you've even ten seconds is a long time. Referee, and once you've had that 10 seconds, it's like, oh, and as again, in the 90th minute, it's 1 1 local derby. They were fine with him, to be fair, they were fine with him at the end. Um, the, the manager went in, and I walked in as the manager was there, and he was just asking a question. Um, interestingly, there's video, uh, video cam footage, um, of it, so I asked him to send it to me so I could, you know, have a look at it retrospectively. Um, because it's interesting to see why that decision wasn't given, given his his position and stuff like that. So, um, and we were talking, we were talking about this after the game as well. That everywhere you go now, like you, you had that clip of that game, it's pretty much straight away. Everywhere you go now, there's there's people filming everywhere. Yeah, it's on yeah, YouTube yeah. all the time. You know, I, I guess most of the games you do now, there's YouTube footage from somewhere. Um, yeah, as yeah. you try, you know, to build build the um content and build. The, you know the size of the club and getting people there. So yeah, it's an interesting, uh, an interesting thing. Um, and yeah, I've had a couple of games this week as well. A couple of games. The comebacks on. Comebacks on, is it? Mm, maybe not. Getting a bit old. Getting a bit old for it now. Especially, I did a game at Whitworths, and I don't know what I appointed myself to this game as well. Stupidly, because that pitch is massive. Yeah, Whit- Whitworths. Yeah, that's probably. In the top three biggest pitches in the county, I would yeah. say. Rons is, is pretty big as well. but Yeah, Rons um, is up there. So, talking from Bertie last week, he, he was saying that Michael Oliver does, does about 10k, which is 6.22 miles yeah. in yeah. old money. Um, I did um, 4.5 miles. <laughs> which In that game? Yeah. Well, that's quite... on that pitch as well, mate. That's that's yeah. That's that's not that bad. Yeah, yeah. But well, no, but on that pitch. Yeah, I was tired. Yeah. <laughs> Took me about three days I'm... to recover. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, I represented the county this morning in the NFA Sunday Cup. Has it got a sponsor this year? The NFA Sunday Cup. Uh, I don't know. I've talked my head. Okay. Um, and that was a bit of a. <laughs> bit of a drab affair to be honest with you it was at Acre Lane it was the only game on up at Acre Lane um, and also it's quite annoying not that you know if you're driving down Acre Lane at the moment 
and the road's closed. Just, just so you uh, know. Yeah, it is a pain that. It is. Just, you know, a bit of tra- travel advice for all you people <laughs> out there listening locally. Um, so, um, yeah, so next week we're going to talk a bit about youth refereeing and hopefully get some positivity out of it as well because there's a, there are some positive stories. It's just that like 1%, isn't it, really, of people who are spoiling it for everybody else. But we'll talk about that next week. Um, we have got Lloydie. Lloydie's going to come on. I mean, Lloydie's going to come on and uh, talk about NFA Core and how that's been implemented and how it's going. He, f- he feels it's going quite well, but we'll chat to him about that. And uh, I believe um, Harley Collier is going to um, improve the average score, which can't be that difficult, of people who work for the NFA. So stay tuned for that part. Coming up. So we are back with part number two of For Death's Sake, episode number 10. And I'm pleased to tell you that we have got a returning guest. The one and only Mr. Aaron Lloyd is joining us. Hello, Aaron. How are we? Hello. I'm good, thank you. How are you? We're good. I'm hoping that we're not having um, any Wi-Fi issues this week. Uh, you're on the old 4G up there in the north of the county. We had some terrible shenanigans last weekend with old Bertie. Yeah, no, I don't know what was going on with that, but no, we seem to be okay. <laughs> the the the, uh, the internet capital of the country, <laughs> old Corby. So, what you been up to then, Aaron? Doing lots of games as usual. Yeah, about a million games a week, but keeping on top of things. You love I'm it, busy. don't you? You love it. You got to, mate. Otherwise, what's the point? How many games have you done this weekend? This weekend, uh, two on Saturday, <laughs> and if you count in all the mini stocky games, I've done six today. That is commitment. Your bank balance must be flying. <laughs> Not with some of the bills I've got going out, mate. <laughs> right, we won't talk about that. Let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> so, um, we spoke last season, didn't we? We spoke last season when you were just uh, coming into level four. Uh, yeah, and you know, step five football, step five and step six football. I suppose how you how's your season started? Is it going well? Uh, yeah, about as as positive as I could expect it to. Um, I think the big difference between this year and last year has mainly been getting a strong rapport with all the clubs. It's been a much more positive the start of this season compared to last season. I have to say. Yeah, I was talking to somebody on. Um... On, on Saturday and back in the day when I was level four you couldn't see your club marks but now you can can't you yeah you can so it's always interesting to uh, you know to find out which clubs are not marking very well we won't mention them on this podcast by the way we're not going to go down that road <laughs> that, this wouldn't be good but we haven't got you want to talk about your referee, referee career, refereeing career it's late by the way everybody <laughs> it's late <laughs> excuse me um, no, we're not talking about your refereeing career. We're talking about a new venture into the, I guess, the other side of refereeing, coaching and training and all that kind of thing. Because as I understand it, you and Sam Lee, another previous guest on the podcast, you're now in charge of the NFA core. 
academy type thing? What what's the actual title of it? Yeah, so basically it's it's like a, a spin off of the national version. So me and Sam were for a number of years members of the national FA core program. I think I think Luke was part of it as well, once upon a time. But uh, years back. Years yeah, back. so <laughs> so yeah, it was something that I came through when I was a youngster and it's mainly just to get the best talent we've got in the county and really try and drive it through and make basically take people's potential to as far as we can get it so are you actually in charge or is, or is sam in charge or is it a co-existence of no we're, we're partners in crime mate wow what what a partnership <laughs> Luke, hey? i mean yeah you... i mean go on I was I was sort of I was involved in the initial sort of planning meeting and when when Ollie when Ollie pitched it to me that Sam Lee and Aaron Lloyd were going to run this program it 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 filled me with dread I have to say <laughs> at least they're local to each other one lives in the uh, <laughs> couldn't be further in apart. the back side of the county <laughs> the ends of the spectrum mate yeah. it's not ideal <laughs> one's in the north I mean I don't even know uh, I was talking about the internet I doubt they've even got the internet where Sam lives. No, he, he, there's a reason he doesn't listen. <laughs> Spotify's not invented down there. <laughs> so, talk me through the process first of all. So, if I if I when I make my big comeback and I need a bit of coaching from you or Sam Lee, uh, <laughs> so I won't laugh about that. It's pretty rude. Um, what would I do? What What do I need to do? What's What's the process of me getting onto this program? So at the start of the season, we had a um, Ollie sent an email out to every referee in the county, effectively, and just said, "If you want to register your interest for the county core program for the next season, then there was a link to that. We we got people to fill it out, and we had a whole selection day process. So for the evening, they they all came out. We had sort of just effectively what." a taster session to what they would be seeing on a monthly basis when the season gets ahead and they've been, if they've been successful, so to speak. So we had a fitness element, a laws of the game assessment and just clips to go through and just see where people's knowledge was at at the time. You lost me at um, fitness element and laws of the game. Yeah, admittedly, Aaron, you're not you're not on the 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 team's call that we're on, and his, his face genuinely dropped when he said those two elements. So <laughs> that that's ruled him out. Yeah, I've reflected on my choices, and uh, I'm happy. I'm happy at Acre Lane on a Sunday morning, as it as it were. Um, so is there? Um, I'm guessing, Luke, I'm asking you this question as well. I'm guessing, on, guessing, guessing. I'm guessing. I sound like Sean Connery there. I'm guessing on national call there isn't an age limit. Is it kind of open to everybody? Yeah, no, there's no, no age limit on national or or the local program. Yeah. So, am I right in thinking you've got some of the old boys in NFA core now? I wouldn't necessarily uh, call them the old boys. Who's, yeah. who's, who's, the, who's the oldest? On, who's the oldest on the program? Uh, I, I I would say, and and I was at the selection day. I think probably Paul Miller Hartchie. Yeah, I'd agree. How old? How old is he? Uh, Ish. I. 
I've I've fallen foul of, <laughs> of guessing people's ages on this podcast, so I'm not going to do that well, again. This is, this is coming from Paul's coach himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because do you know what? It doesn't it doesn't matter how old they are. <laughs> Very true. So was it was it? Let's just say I'm somebody like Mick Matthews. Let's say Mick Matthews. I don't think he listens to this podcast. At his age, I'd be surprised if he knew what a podcast was. Would there be an opportunity for him to take part? Because I know he's on the promotion scheme. He's going from level six to level five. Um, he loves the game as well. I saw him down Dallington Park yesterday, I think, doing the Cobbler supporters team. Um, so he, he's a bit like you, Luke. Uh, Luke not you, Luke. Not, you don't love a game. We spoke about that earlier. You, haven't got, you don't get any games here. Um, he loves a game like you, Aaron. So is there an opportunity for him to be on it? Yeah, most definitely. I don't see why there wouldn't be. And I might be wrong. I might be wrong, but I don't think I am. I, I'm pretty sure Mick um, Mick did reply to Ollie's email about the programme, did sign himself up to come to the selection day and then uh, had further conversations with Ollie about what the programme was and, um, you know, what what it was designed to do and then decided not to attend. And and that that's purely from a point of view that Mick Mick's one that will attend a lot of development sessions, you know, all of the RA stuff that we've, we've done over the years, Wayne, and, um, you know, it, probably dating back to your, your days as, as a referee in, in the, the core Academy, Lloydie, um, you know, like I think Mick's always taken an interest in those types of sessions. Um, but following on from that conversation with Ollie about the fitness element, the, the laws, of the game element, and then obviously where the program's aiming to get people, um, Mick decided not to attend. So, but, but yeah, it, it was open to everyone, and and genuinely, any anybody could have turned up to that selection day and um, put their name in the hat to be considered to go on the program. So, Luke, remind me, how many um, how many referees do we have in the county at the moment? Ballpark figure, you know. Uh, just in and around four hundred. So, how many people were on the selection day? Um, I think we had about 25, 30. So what, where were the other 370 referees at home with their feet up? But yeah, but why why aren't we getting more people coming to it? It's it's free um, free development, I'm, I'm assuming. Um, yeah, yeah, it's free, yeah, it's free of charge, yeah, yeah. So yeah. why, what's stopping these th- other 370? Is it having Lloyd and Sam Lee? <laughs> <laughs> uh... <laughs> No, I'm not going to... No, I was going to make a joke there, but I won't do that. Um, no, it, I don't think it is. I, I think it's... Look, the first time... It's the first time in a number of years we've run a programme of that nature. Um, and it takes time to to sort of build back that reputation and that desire within the county around referee development. So look, I think it's... Uh, personally... Um, I was quite pleased with the numbers that we had attending the selection day. I'm, I'm pleased with the numbers that we have attending the the monthly sessions that I'm sure Lloyd is going to talk about in a bit more detail in, in a moment's time. So I, I think gen, generally, and, and what you've got to remember, Wayne, is actually the programme is, is, is aimed at those people that are sort of the higher potential referees. It, it's not... Whilst we it's whilst it's open to everyone, the reason that we had a selection day is that actually it's it's a program where we want to get to a point where we're having a hundred, hundred and fifty, two hundred referees apply for it, but actually there's not 
there's nowhere near that many spaces. Do you know what I mean? So it, it's it's something that it, it has to be that that little bit elitist in 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 nature in terms of yes, we want everybody to have the opportunity to be a part of it, but if everybody that applies for it then becomes a part of it, then actually are we are we doing what what we want to do? We're probably not because we want to be developing high potential higher level referees um and there is an argument that we need to do more to develop the majority of referees which i think is where your question was aimed at and i and i completely agree with that and i think both both elements developing the majority and developing the high potential ones is a work in progress i think the steps that ollie's taken um with aaron and and sammy's help uh it, with this program are really positive and we're seeing we're, we're seeing how beneficial it can be for the referees that are involved and there's there's a lot of work to be done on the majority group of referees where perhaps you know we we need to we need to have a look at how we do that okay so Lloydie talk me through um I'm, I'm in NFA core I've got in what's my commitment yep. what's my expectations of me and what what are you going to give to me so first of all from the referee themselves we'd expect we we've sent out the or should I say, Ollie sent out an email regarding who's been successful in their like application and through the success. Sorry, I'm losing my words now. Successful through the selection day, and that constituted all the dates that came through for when we were looking at doing the the evening, so to speak, the development days. And so the first expectation would be that you'd close off all those dates and make sure you were available when possible. I know there's ex- exceptions, but available for these development days to be able to get the most out of the process. And the main thing we really want is you'll be allocated a coach and the main ethos is we want the referees to drive the relationship between coach and referee. We don't want it to be always the coach. It's, it's good for them to, always, to have an impact, but we really want the referees driving that development, driving the, the relationship between referee and coach because if the referee wants it badly, the coach is there then to be able to say, here you go. Here's here's the resources. Here's the information that you need. Okay. So in terms of coaches, who who are the big hitters? Who are the big names on the on the NFA, NFA core? Oh, Luke, are you one of them? Well, we got we we've got Luke. God. Yep. <laughs> Hope it gets better. From here. Darren and Pete. Yeah, I'm, I'm not the only one, Lloyd. You can keep going. <laughs> go on. <laughs> yeah, we've got Luke, Daryl, Phoebe, me and Sam, Zach Cunningham, Harry Price. There's some of the big hitters. Yeah, I'm looking at my. I'm looking. I think is Andy Humphrey's one of them as well. Yeah, he is. He's yeah. with uh, Nick Marriott, I believe. Yeah, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad that you know. I know more than. <laughs> I'm just looking at my inbox with my invite to you know to give my um, experiences of Baker Lane but obviously not not required which is fair um, you got you got a lot on your plate mate yeah it's, it's fine I wouldn't have accepted it anyway but anyway let's move on <laughs> um, I've got a world renowned podcast to run uh, <laughs> so how often do you meet is it once a month once every two months uh, once a month at the moment and throughout the season is that an evening thing during the week yeah, so I think we've pitched it mainly the first Wednesday of every month. Okay, and, and whereabouts are you quite central in terms of where it is and stuff? Or 
Uh, so we, we tried to keep it quite central at first. The first the selection day and the first evening were held at KBA in Ketcher in the school. And the second meeting, we had to sort of adapt it because obviously we've got the, the nights come in a lot quicker. So we needed a facility with floodlights. So we moved over to Whitworth for that session. One of the Whitworths are like the... Uh, what a legendary club. They'll do anything to help you out. Brilliant, yeah. Over there. Um, so how how long's the session? What kind of things are you doing in them? Is it all, is it practical or theory-based? Is it a mixture? So uh, the sessions are two hours long. And the first hour, we try and implement a practical-based session, whether that be a fitness element or... So we'll have a specific idea that we want to go for and topic that we want to discuss throughout the session. So our most recent one at Whitworth was Dog Show. So our first hour was a practical session with two different elements comprising of dogzo decisions, a lot of fitness movement, incorporating decisions at the end of it and really trying to get that decision-making process between what we want to do out on the pitch and then implementing it in the classroom environment at the end to go through the key aspects of a dogzo decision and get it right on the pitch, but then off the pitch we can discuss it as well. Good. Sounds interesting. So if I'm being coached by somebody um will my coach come and watch me is that the idea i know because most of the people you've said are active referees yeah so ideally we'd get the coach going out either once a month or as as much as possible i, I thought you were coming i thought you were coming and talking for a moment there um and is there a kind of is there like a feedback form or Hello, what is it? What is it with technology in this podcast? <laughs> yeah, so it, 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 mate. Do, if they do a game, do they? Do you want it to become like? You wouldn't want it to become an onerous thing where they're doing feedback on every game that they do, but you know, like self-assessments type thing. But is there an expectation that they'll have a chat with their coach about stuff or? Is it just like, I'm yeah, so see you when, when I can? We'd always like the referee to tell the coach the games they're doing for the month in advance if they do know. And once that game has been done, we'd, we'd like the referees to self-assess themselves, so to speak. So tell the ref how they feel they got on, some positives, some negatives and developments. And then we want the, the coach to be able to talk through the game with the referee if they're there or not if the referee is able to self-assess themselves and they, they, they've got development points in mind, the coach then can then help them talk through it. And then there's, there's an expectation on the coaches as well to, to try and get out as much as possible to see their referees. Obviously, we, we can't expect them to go out every week because all our referees are still currently active. So whether that's once a month and even every couple of months, we, we, we would like the coaches to be able to go out and see their referees every now and again as, as much as possible. Do you have any um, female referees on in NFA court at the moment? Uh, we've currently got one, Emma Beaver. Okay. And I'm assuming that she's been assigned to Phoebe <laughs> as a wild guest. Yeah, yeah, she is with Phoebe. You would be right. Yeah, which is good. I mean, it's a, it's, obviously, she knows the pathway. And um, I think Phoebe's trying to go up the pathway now herself, isn't she? So... You know, having that experience. Yeah, so Phoebe's yeah, just recently been promoted to four, so Phoebe's trying to push up. Emma, Emma, Emma clearly wants to push up. She's shown good potential, actually, for the last few sessions, so it seems like a good partnership early on. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know how long Emma's been qualified. Um, just a little backstory. I was refereeing at Rectory Farm last week, Luke, all the big games, and uh, speaking to the referee on the next pitch, and I said, oh, I, I don't believe we've met before. And he said, uh, yes, we have. You did my referees course um, <laughs> two years ago. Uh, yeah, I remember that fit. I remember that name now, but um, obviously a good memory. Yeah. <laughs> Emma, Emma's relatively new. Um, I I definitely delivered the course. I, I, I I'm pretty sure it might have been you that was the other chewer. Right. Okay. Brilliant. Uh, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the, so? Let's say I'm I'm successful. I'm doing well. Um, what's the relationship between NFA core? And national call is there any conversation in in that respect? Would you say we've got this person here? Is that kind of Ollie's job? Um, how can it, I'm guessing I'm guessing it's a progression thing. So they go from county call to national call. Hopefully, you you know you'd like to think is that how it works? How does, how does it work? Yeah. So ideally, we'd want as many of our core. NFA core participants to be able to progress into the national core system. So at the minute, in our core group, we've got Ralph Seconton, who's currently working on both both sides of the spectrum. He's with national core and NFA core. So he's an example of what we really want people to be able to do, to really push through our system and be able to... So we've got Ollie's with us and James Campbell Slim, who a lot of people will know. He's currently central leader of core, where our referees will hopefully end up. So I imagine there's a lot of discussion between Slim and Ollie between themselves to be able to dictate season on season who's going through core. So ideally, not necessarily every season, but we'd want one or two to be able to push through the ranks and get through to national core if, if possible. Yeah, I think just to add a bit of context to that, the, the FA will ask the county FA to nominate um, level sevens, level sixes, and level fives to go to go on the level um, the FA core program, um, and part of the criteria with that will be that we have to we have to nominate people that are engaging with the local development referee development opportunities. So, um, and and that's been a stumbling block in the past. You know, we've identified someone that we think would be a good fit for for FA core, but if they aren't engaging with the stuff that's going on locally, then the FA are reluctant to accept them onto the programme because obviously the the commitment element of that programme, working with a coach, turning up to the training sessions, et cetera, et cetera, it's a bit of a gamble if that person's not demonstrated that they're willing and, and able to to demonstrate that level of commitment to referee development in general. So it, it's part of the pathway. And whilst we've got to be realistic, there's in the same way that we want our programme to be the best referees in Northamptonshire, the FA programme is obviously they're looking for the best referees across the country. So um, not every one of our cohort from this season or future seasons will make that FA core programme. There's obviously a limit on how many people we can nominate. And um, But hopefully this gives us a, a decent pool of people that we can potentially nominate from. So when you get to national core, just moving on a little bit, because I know, Aaron, you're, you're still part of national core, aren't you? Yeah. So if I if I'm a level four, and say after three seasons or two or three seasons, I'm still a level four, does that mean I'm out of national core generally? Mm, not necessarily. No, I think 
I'm not too sure how core retention at national level is held, but no, I, I don't know if that's something I can really talk about. I, I don't really know. I, I can come in there, Lloyd, if you want, uh, because that, that yeah, and, and this this is this is where when I was on the program, um, so probably two up. It's it's up to date as of two years ago. Uh, so take t- take this with a pinch of salt. But they always used to have um, a three year rule. So if you in your circumstance, Wayne, if you're a level four, if you didn't get promoted from level four within three years, then you would be removed from the program and your place would be offered to somebody else. Um, and, and that would be their way of doing it. And I, I, you know, I guess the expectation there is that they, if they don't have that rule in place, then as a, as a level four, you know, I spent six years at level four. So would they expect somebody to stay on the program for six years until they get promoted from level four to level three? No, probably not because if they aren't doing it within three years, are they demonstrating the excellence part of what core stands for center referee excellence probably not um so you can understand why that limits in place um the three-year rules fair and and that that was why i eventually left the program two years ago because i spent three years at level three and hadn't got promoted um so that that was why i wasn't retained on the program and i I guess clubs and other people other stakeholders in the game would you know expect that because i'm assuming that there's a lot of investment. It's not, you know, this stuff doesn't come for free. Um, there's a lot of investment and things. So, it, as in any business, if you invest in something, you're not, you're not getting the results you want, as brutal as that might sound, then, you know, you have to make those tough decisions, I guess. And I suppose it's the same with county. If the people aren't pulling their weight, like you said, or not doing what they're meant to be doing, then that conversation has to be had that, you know, you we're investing... You know, we spoke earlier about um, observations and stuff and coaching stuff. Is that if we're investing this in you, then you need to invest back to us. And that's often a, a criticism I have of the observations scheme and the coaching scheme in Northamptonshire. And this has happened ever since I've been doing it. Is that these people apply for promotion and then they don't do anything about it. So they don't put their games on and they don't say, I need to get coached and observed, which is really frustrating. But also, question why are you doing this? If you're going to pay whatever it is, 20, 30 quid, um, to do it, why aren't you putting the effort in to just put your games on a system where you're going to get observed? It doesn't make any sense. That's no, I rant. don't know why. It's a bit of a rant, that wasn't it? That, yeah, that, that. Do you know what? That was a mini rant. Um, yeah, I think we should flag that. But no, you're right. I mean, you know, why why you'd go through the process of applying for something and 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 not follow through with the process? I know, you know, circumstances change and a season you know, nine months or whatever is, is, is a long, a long period of time and things can change and um, personal circumstances might dictate that you can't complete what you've started. But, you know, there's, there's no excuse not to be able to communicate that with whoever that, you know, whether it's this program that you've applied for, you know, communicate that with Lloydie and, and say, look, actually, do you know what? I was really keen for it, but I've got a new job or whatever it is and I can't commit to it anymore that's fine you know don't mind that but it's the people that stick their name in the hat for it really keen to start with and then just drop off the radar like you say don't do the the, the bare minimum don't do the basics in terms of communication and letting us know what's going on how how are we how are we supposed to work with those people any thoughts on that Lloydie yeah no I completely agree it's like 
like I mentioned earlier, me and Sam really want the referee to be the driver of the relationship between them and their coach because if the referee is not showing the willingness to want to learn from that coach, so to speak, then the coach is necessarily going to be potentially wasting their time because if the referee is not showing the interest and the willingness to want to develop, then we've potentially got a wasted space and a wasted coach at the same time. Absolutely. And, um, you know, they're not getting paid for this, either the, the coaches and stuff. So they're giving up their time for nothing. No, it's, it's, they're all volunteers at, yeah. at the same time. And like you, Lloyd, you was doing about 17 games a weekend and uh, <laughs> uh, smashing <laughs> their 20s and 30 quids. But it, joking aside, obviously we had Bertie on last week. Um, and those, back in the day, these opportunities weren't there. So, you know, Bertie's making a decent living going around the world, you know, spreading out podcast words to the to the uh, to the nations uh, but the opportunities are there and this is the best you know best opportunity that people are going to have to to progress uh, I mean I don't know how long have you been refing Aaron? Uh, this is my fifth season at the minute so you see for five years yeah the progression that you've made in that in that short amount of time and now you you've you've been trusted let's be honest to um to run the NFA call. That's a, it's a big thing, isn't it? So you can only pass on those experiences to, to others and hope, hopefully they'll take them up. Yeah, definitely. But, I mean, you look at you look at the two guys we've got running the scheme. You've got Aaron, obviously, five years in, um, relatively new at level four, but finding his feet pretty quickly. You've got Sammy, relatively new at level three. Um, and again, you know, going, going through that process of finding his feet and and working out that you know how big that step up is from four to three and both young lads both people that have been through similar programs obviously they've they've both experienced national core but also both experienced um a, a little bit of local referee development from way back when and and i think there's there's a lot to be said for that um their experiences like you say wayne you know sharing their experiences and what they've been through because the referees on the program whilst we had the conversation earlier about there not being any age limits, as you can imagine, majority are of, of the, the younger generation. These guys, they're relatable. They can, they can share their experiences. They can share their challenges. Um, and, and hopefully we've got a decent, decent setup there that can help those younger referees reach their potential in the next five years or so. Very good. Now, for those people who don't think people are committed to this podcast, which I don't think is many people, to be fair, it's now 11pm on a Sunday. Aaron's past his bedtime. Um, you have to get permission from his from his parents for, to allow him to stay up so late. Um, he's sat in his car somewhere in Corby. Um, luckily, he hasn't been arrested yet, which, which is a bonus, I suppose. Um, Luke's looking very tired, and I've got school in the morning. So, Lloydie, Thanks for joining us, mate. Hope you had a lovely evening, um, whatever you were doing. Pleasure as always, mate. Uh, and yeah, best oh, of luck with now. yeah, best of luck with the old NFA call. And if you are interested, genuinely, if you're interested, we said this last week. If you're interested in anything like that, speak to Wally, drop him an email, and um, yeah, here's to the next generation, Luke. Absolutely, mate. Right, good night, you two. Been lovely. Night. <laughs> See you, mate. <laughs> Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.
put the phone down and everything there. You just hung up? Yeah. Brutal. Well, you know. It is, it is late. I'll let it you is off. late. And uh, luckily we've recorded parts three and four. This is the magic of the podcast, isn't it, mate? We're like, we're always thinking. So... Yeah, ap- apart from you told everyone it's 11 o'clock and then it's going to go back to the next segment where it's like half nine. Yeah, but they won't know that. Will they? Well, I mean, we've that's even recorded, true. You know, They'll think we'll be going till midnight. Yeah, <laughs> and we've recorded part four when we said that that conversation with Lloyd was really interesting, even if the people don't think it was. You know, we 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 just guessed it was going to be, and I think it was to be fair. So, um, yeah, yeah, stay tuned for part three, which obviously we're going to record in a minute, and we're, we're going to be up till two o'clock in the morning, mate. It takes hours to get this put put together. Brilliant. Night, Luke. No, no, I'll see you later. <laughs> <Bye>. <laughs> see ya. Okay, so we're back with part number three of For Ref's Sake, episode number 10. Not that we're short of a guest or anything for... Um, a minute to win it, but we've roped in Harley Collier <laughs> at the last moment. Apart from being big bellied at the moment, Harley, everything Back. good? Nah, All good. We, we don't call it that. All good. So, um, Harley, you're a big Man City supporter. Well, you're not a big Man City supporter. You you, you like to pretend you are. Let's be honest. Um, What's what's going on at Man City? Two defeats, two or three defeats. In the, is it two or three defeats on the top? Uh, two, I think. There was the Newcastle one, wasn't there? In the in the uh, is it called the Carabao Cup still? Is that what it is? Yeah, we lost to Wolves, didn't we as well? Yeah, and then you lost to Arsenal. Oh yeah, maybe there is three then. Oh dear me, what a disaster! Pe- oh, get rid of that pep block. That pep block's useless. Ah, just yeah. giving everyone else a chance. Sack him. Yeah, get rid just of him. Just giving everyone a chance. Um. And what are you thinking of the Cobblers' uh, current form? Results-wise, not great. But they're not actually that bad. Like, when I go to watch them, they're not actually, like, horrendous like normal. Sammy Hoskins <laughs> shot you in the foot last weekend. 350th appearance, I believe, and misses a penalty. Yeah, I didn't even know that until, like, after the game. I, I wasn't really paying attention. What, like I wasn't the at the game. Oh, yeah, no. it wasn't at the game. Oh, right. That's right. <laughs> so, um, we're going to do a minute to win it in a minute. And uh, I'm just going to share share the old uh, music. The, the Wheel of Fortune. The Wheel of Fortune. So, you've got basically choice A or choice B. Um, I'm not spinning the wheel because it's, it's a lot of effort for little impact, to be honest. Because <laughs> people can't see it. And... Um, I've got them in front of me, A and B, on my little notepad that I like to bring to. I mean, <laughs> nobody sees all this. You know, the the. the oh, sorry. The hard oh, you have work. to choose A or B. Well, that's how it works, yeah, basically. Oh. So what would you I'll, like? I'll go um, B. B. Oh, it's, well, it's actually a football question. Um, probably not ideal. I'll probably embarrass myself. Well, we'll, we'll find out, won't we, in a minute? So, what I'm looking for. Um, Harley, uh, I'm talking about the um, the Europa League. The Man City haven't played in that for a while. <laughs> Europa League, gone. What is that? Is that the right. Thursday night one? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, that's the Thursday night one. <laughs> um, so I'm looking for the last ten unique winners 
of the Europa League. So, for example, let's just say Middlesbrough won it five times on the trot. That only counts as one because obviously that's a unique club, yeah? Oh, okay. So you, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not asking you for the order of all the clubs. I literally have no idea. Um, brilliant. But I'm going to get like zero. Right, but I would just like shout out teams that are that are in the Europa League generally and, you know, famous teams, it doesn't really matter. But I know it's not for me to give you any advice. Um, <laughs> it's your, 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 uh, your go on the quiz. So are you, are you ready? I'm hoping this is going to work, but let me just check the sound levels on here because I don't want to... Uh... Yeah, that's all right. Right. Your minute starts. All scared already. Now. Um, Man United. T minus one minute. Um, I don't even know who's in it. Like Sh- AC Milan, Inter Milan, Juventus. T minus um, fifty seconds. Some French teams. No. <laughs> Can I have help? No. Um, I literally don't even know. Like Salzburg T-minus or something like that. Seconds. Them Red Bull teams, one of them. <laughs> Probably needs to be more specific than just them Red Bull teams. Yeah, yeah. there's a few of them though, they're dotted around, isn't there? Yeah, but you don't want to get any points from Red Bull. You know, basically the names. I can't, I can't I think, think like Spanish, Spanish teams, Italian Spanish. teams. Yeah. Villarreal, um, Atletico Madrid, Real Madrid, Barcelona, it won't be them. Um, I can't think. Um, Italian, I've already played to Italian. Napoli. Ten, nine, eight, um, seven. Six, now. five, oh, four, three, two, one, zero. Teams. That was bad. Well, bad. you did shout some teams out. I'll give you that. Um, that was so, bad. That was bad. That was really bad. Was it as bad as Callum White? Or... What did he get? I can't remember. Did he get two? Somebody got two. I think it might have been Harry Price. I mean, if somebody would update the um, <laughs> the scoreboard, it might be all right. But uh, yeah. So I'm going to go through uh, the winners. I can't remember how many times. I've, I've had this question literally in front of me for the last four or five times. I've done it and it's never been chosen. So oh. lucky you. Um, the other question I'm was about yeah, the other question was about social media, which you might have done better on, but it, you know, it is what Ooh, it is. Probably not. So in no particular order, um, we had Seville. Did I say him? No. Him. No. Him. no. Um, Eintracht Frankfurt. No. Villarreal. I think I said them. You did say Yeah, I did yeah. say him. Chelsea. Oh. Atletico Madrid. I did say him, I think. Yeah. You did. Manchester United. Yeah. I did say them because yeah. I remember them you winning. Started it. with them, which I thought was strange. Because <laughs> I just remember them winning it some reason. Um, <laughs> Porto, yeah, big you club. Porto, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Shakhtar Donetsk. <laughs> it's hard to say. Um, Zenit Saint Petersburg. None. And the last one, uh, you wouldn't. I don't think many people would have got this one anyway. Two thousand five. It was CSK Moscow. So you well, scored three. A magnificent three. So it's good to see that the NFA are representing. You you're not bottom. That's... And you're about average for the NFA team. Yeah. So. <laughs> you can w- walk into work tomorrow with your head <laughs> held high. We're all as stupid as each other. <laughs> good. So, um, yeah, we'll, um, we'll leave it at that, shall we? Back. Yeah, get, yeah. Off that, get off that microphone now. Yeah. Stop embarrassing the, uh, yeah. the Scott Collier household. 
Thanks, Harley. Thank you. I'll see you again soon. Probably in about a minute after I've stopped recording this bit. All right. Bye. <laughs> bye. 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 I didn't say bye. Oh, okay. <laughs> He's got that bit, mate. <laughs> <laughs> So welcome along to the final part of episode number 10, series 2 of For Death's Sake. We spoke to Aaron Lloyd, Harley Collier embarrassed herself, and um, we talked about local football, Luke. Yeah, been a good episode, mate, I think. Yeah, it's always interesting, you know, when we don't have anything to talk about in terms of Premier League football. There's nobody to lambast or don't have to listen to um, what's-his-face, Andros Townsend. Although Andros has signed for Luton Town. Devastated. We are devastated that his punditry skills will be lessened by him probably being on the subspench a lot and playing at Luton Town. Yeah, I mean, we don't like to um, talk in a negative manner about anybody on this podcast, but he's not particularly good as a pundit. That is absolutely right. Um, And next week, Luke, you've got the week off from the pod. That might send the numbers up a bit. Right, that's not very nice. <laughs> I'm only joking. But, um, <laughs> we're going to have a, a guest host next week. And in true for the uh, tradition, at the moment, we've got no idea who it's going to be. So if you want to apply and you've got through this part of the podcast and you want to come and join <laughs> me next Sunday evening, um, feel free to apply. <laughs> so no game for you next weekend, I believe. Anything midweek? No, nothing midweek nothing uh, next weekend and nothing the weekend after um, so yeah that's me done for October mate feet up uh, and I might go and watch some young up and coming referees on the 28th because I, I'm not available next weekend uh, that's why I haven't got a game but 28th I'm open and I haven't got a game so I might go and do some observing for your good self maybe the, the mighty uh, Swans is that is that Wickham's nickname the Swans no, the chair boys. Who's, oh, why do I think about the swans when I think about Wickham? They have got a swan in the middle of their badge. Ah, why? Uh, I don't know. I, I assume there's some connection because the 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 theatre in Wickham is called the Wickham Swan. There you go. Uh, so played, I imagine. You played the trumpet there a few times, yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> See you next week, everybody. <laughs>